making making jokes, having conversation about it, getting on stage and talking about what's going on, I think is what we do as comedians all the time. If it's current event, if it's news, we're going to talk about it. We're going to help people process it. That's the job. I'm Charmaine. I'm Katie. And this is Unpacking Ethical. A podcast where we sip our favorite drinks at the moment. And talk about some things. Because there's nothing ethical about upholding the status quo. Let's talk about it. This week on Unpacking Ethical. Hey, this is Sharmon, and we are without Katie today, but we are back for another episode of Unpacking Ethical. And today we are unpacking comedy. And we've got two of my favorite comedians. I'm going to just go and say it's like two of the best comedians out there. We just going to say that. We can say that? Wow. We can say <laughs> yeah, that. We're hey. going to say that. We're going to say that. And so we're here to unpack comedy with them. So we've got, I'm going I'm to say say Becky Lynn, because she just right here at the top. Sorry, Tavi, you down at the bottom of the screen. And Tavi, <laughs> who you guys remember from last season? Why is it beeping? Is the desk because you accidentally issue? set a timer. She probably put a timer on it. It'll go off. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you want to start over? No, because I like it. And we're going to keep okay. it. Yeah, no, leave that in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But to get started, we're going to ask y'all what you're drinking. Oh, okay. I'm drinking champagne because I'm a classy bitch. Hi. And I'm drinking a mimosa. Um, it's the same champagne that Tavi has, but I added some cold pressed juice because it's know, 11 it in, like in the morning. <laughs> I love yeah, these glasses. I haven't had breakfast yet. Thank I you. like the champagne yeah, glasses with like no stem. Right, I feel like that yeah. is like I perfect for them, somebody like, like me that like spills things everywhere. Becky does yeah, love I a stem glass. All the time. I do. It's I all like I have. This. I have one wine glass that has a stem on it that I bought at the Dollar Tree like seven years ago, and, and it's still working for you. It's yeah. I don't really use it, but I have it there in case. I don't know. We have company. I guess Tommy doesn't count, but. I'm like, yeah, everything I'm I bought from the Dollar Tree has been broken. Yeah, I just, I break That's a lot strange. of them. So I just stopped buying them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but these are most of the delicious. Okay, so let me tell y'all, because as I was telling you earlier, Tavi shamed me last season. Because mm-hmm. I was drinking water. But today, today we got a hard cider, some pineapple, yes. Trader Joe's. This is what we're drinking today. Okay, I love that. I love hard cider. It's called pineapple shirt. I don't know why. Does it taste like pineapple? pineapple. It does taste like pineapple. Pineapple hard cider sounds delicious. It is. It does. But calling it pineapple shirt is weird. But that's, you know, Trader Joe's does weird shit sometimes. They they do. They do. And I I haven't decided, like, I don't even know if I should have said Trader Joe's because I think I'm supposed to be mad at them, right? Didn't we discover that in 2020? <laughs> oh, what did they do? Given them? Is, it be- is it, what are they doing? What do they do? Tell, remind me. I think, I think it was like some of the names of their products. People were saying, oh, were like, oh, Trader Jose's and Trader Ming. Mm-hmm. Trader mm-hmm. Ming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just stopped buying those things. Which I don't <laughs> think is <laughs> It's not. It's still Trader Jose's. <laughs> 
we just um, not gonna get I just, like, I just stopped supporting the inclusivity that they tried to do and told them there's no demand <laughs> for diversity. Executed. <laughs> just to shame Trader Joe's, I told them that someone else nobody wants <laughs> ethnic foods. That's what we told Trader Joe's. They'll buy their samosas. They didn't come up with like a d- weird name for their Indian food. Probably because they don't know any Indian names. Trader Joe's is not great. So we, no, we're not. We're not going to stop laughing. It's just not going to happen. It's a good, it's, are, it's a comedy episode. <laughs> but we are going to talk about comedy because comedy is having a, well, I'm like, it's having a moment, but it's been a moment. Mm-hmm. And all kinds of stuff are happening surrounding comedy. That's true. So-called comedians. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I don't, you know, Tommy and I were talking. <laughs> I didn't know Joe Rogan was a comedian, y'all. Maybe, oh, you I didn't know. Funny? I didn't know he was a comedian. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I thought he was. I thought he was just like some random white dude that just had to feel his guts. Fair enough. That had a podcast. That's, yeah. yeah, that's fair. He was just another one of those, right? <laughs> There's so many of them. <laughs> yeah. There are. Anyway, it's comedy. <laughs> <laughs> this is comedy. It's all comedy. <laughs> First of all, I got to know, I'm like, I feel like I feel silly because I listen to your guys' podcast, but mm-hmm. I got to let the rest of the people know about how you guys got into comedy. Like, okay. How did you guys enter into this world? Um, I'll go first. I was living in a very small, predominantly white college town, Northern California. And uh, I had, I was working at Wingstop. I had a coworker who at the time I really wanted to fuck. Um, and he hosted an open mic. So he hosted an open mic um, downtown and he had invited me probably like the first or second week that we worked together. He invited me to the open mic and I went and I watched and I was like, oh, this is like a fun thing to do on a Monday night. And so that was like my routine. Like I would get off work Monday, go home, change, head downtown you know, drink beer and watch open mic comedy. And then after like a couple months, I was like, wow, these guys suck. <laughs> um, not all of them, but like there were, you know, they wasn't like, they weren't like exceptionally good. Mm. And, but it was the first time I think that I had ever had access to like stand up comedy that wasn't on TV. And kind of after seeing like, you know, just such a variety of styles, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure that I could do that and not and so after quite a few months of watching uh, my coworker actually ended up moving to New York to pursue stand-up he's doing very well for himself now he didn't suck um but I decided to try and then I went up at the open mic and never looked back and that was almost eight years ago oh wow eight years ago in September so you mean you have like eight years of content that I'm not seeing on Instagram that I'm missing out on what? I wouldn't say you're missing out, okay? <laughs> I have a lot of unposted material. I should, yeah. I think that I always like, I get very um, self conscious about like posting clips. So I'll like edit something and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to post it tomorrow. And then I just don't. And then it just sits. Yeah. And I never do anything with it. But I'll try to be better. 
She's terrible. But my stuff isn't funny, but same. (laughs) It's hard putting yourself out there. (laughs) You could do it. Tell us your story. (laughs) Um, I got into comedy because I was dating somebody who wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And uh, we were... He had stage fright. I don't know. I don't know why I tipped him about it. He had stage fright. And every time he got on stage, he was terrible. But I had been helping him write jokes. And I got upset because of how he was delivering the jokes. He just wasn't doing it. He couldn't do it. He just he couldn't get on stage. It was really bad. Um, and then when we broke up and I came back to California, I was like, well, I'm going to do stand up and like make him look bad. It was just like a very spiteful thing for me to do where I was like and I have jokes about that and I'm like yeah well because yeah I want to be petty and I'll be better at him at the thing that he wanted to do but was too afraid to get done properly and so I did it and I like to say Marvelous Mrs. Maisel pre the show because every time I tell people this they're like oh my gosh isn't that the plot of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and I'm like no because it was my life it was my actual (laughs) life so this is another show that that I need to see no, you don't need to see it. I'm telling you the plot it's right fine. now. It's won some awards, but who cares about awards? So yeah, I got into comedy mostly out of spite. Got on stage the first time and killed it. Um, and that gives you just like a false sense of greatness, which we all have. Um, and yeah. so I, yeah, I killed it the first time. I remember going to my first open mic and similar to Becky, I saw it and was like, wow, this is what making people laugh. I could do this. And so when I got on stage, I made people laugh and I've been doing it ever since. I love it. I, yeah. love, I love what you guys do. I love listening to your show. I wish I could be like that. Like I am, I can be funny when I write, but I can't mm-hmm. deliver it. It can't come out my mouth. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. I mean, it's practice too. Mm-hmm. That like, so I feel kind of- like I also, I feel similar in that well, I can write funnier things than I can say them. I'm not a quick thinker. So like, I don't mm. say things. She is quick. She's very quick. She's it's not as not quick true. as she wants to be, but she's quick. That's true. I'm not as quick as I would like to be. Um, I feel like I have to just like think, I overthink things for too long. But part of it, I mean, if you have a knack for like writing anything funny, and it's there. Yeah. You'll figure you out how to deliver it. Yeah. I do. I, when I do listen to your stuff, Brittany, not that you're not good at delivering it, but I'm like, I do think about these things and I'm like, she, she would be like a great like comedy show writer. Who, Becky? Me? Bet, well, both of y'all would be, but I think I, wow. like I, every time I listen wow. to Becky do something, wow. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> Becky should really be writing a TV show. Wow. I really should, which is why I've started writing two and I haven't finished any. She doesn't finish them. Mm-mm. I don't. I think that's just like part of being a creative, right? We just have like a lot of unfinished projects. Yeah. And then I look at them and I'm like, I just need to start fresh. Yeah. You're like, I hate all of this. What was I even thinking? And then I write three variations of the exact same thing. Did I tell you guys that I got high and drunk and wrote the butterfly effect? Because I did. <laughs> I got super high. I got super high. I'm telling you. I was like so drunk. And I was like in the zone. And I was like, I was like, I'm the greatest writer of my generation. I was like, you could not tell me that what I was writing 
wasn't money in the bank. I was like, this, this right here is my, this is everything. This is my raison d'etre. Okay. I was meant to do this. This is what it's all been leading up to. And then I stopped for a second and read it back and was like, this is the plot of the butterfly effect starring Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> Did you guys just see something go past the camera? No. There's a ghost in this house. Oh, Jesus. Don't don't play with me. I saw something. Fly. You're going to have to roll. When you rewatch this, talk to me. Tell is me if you see something. It? No, I turned the fan off. So like there was like a white and it went this way. I mean, also, it's possible. I, there is, for sure, is a ghost in this house. She's really nice, though. Okay. okay. Well, I just want so you to what know What you're that. saying is I need to edit in the, like, broad daylight. <laughs> I need you to, but then, like, when you come across I mean, it's, it's going to stay here no matter what. <laughs> Tell me but, if you see it. I'm going to call you a I feel like I just in. saw something, but I think it might have been Becky's glass that just went. <laughs> oh, yeah, it probably was. I was uh, like, wait, yeah. Wait. No, mine was behind me. It was literally behind. It came from behind my head in like a white. I realized that there was a ghost in this house when I was in the baby's room. Um, it was originally my office and I had hung a wall tapestry on mm-hmm. um, the wall, like immediately to the right. And mm-hmm. then and I left, we went out for the night and I came back and half of it was ripped down. Oh, but it was like ripped down in a way that like it had to be pulled down. Like there was no, it couldn't have just fallen the way that it fell. And I was like, oh, she didn't wipe off. That's fine. I sage <laughs> the next day. And I like regularly sage and like open the windows and everything. But I don't know. She seems fine. Okay. I think she's just the, the lady that owned I'm it like, before. What, what was wrong with the tapestry? I think she, I don't know. The vibe that I get is that she isn't from a generation where wall tapestries are like nice. <laughs> oh, it's tacky. tacky. Yeah, I think she like, thought it was tacky. <laughs> and I was like, fair enough. To be fair, the way I hung it up was really tacky, but it's because I didn't want to, these are plaster walls, so I didn't want to like drill into them. So I mm-hmm. put in like, um, like three thumbtacks and then I hung it with binder clips, but it did look cheap as fuck. But it was also a backdrop I was using it for when I was doing Zoom shows. Regardless, it's gone now. I took it down that day. I was like, okay, we're getting to know each other. But now, I mean, she's, I don't really, you know, she minds her business. She was not appreciative. Except when she's in there. Maybe she doesn't like Tavi in the bedroom. It's a possibility. Is that a candle? I don't know what this no, it's is. my Apple pencil. It's an Apple oh, pencil. Okay. Is it pink? It's purple. It's purple. You can you, you have a colored one? Back. I want a colored one. I put it back. I, it's a cover. It's a cover oh. that I bought on Amazon. Okay, well, I'm let trying me go to find a, a pin to steal. Look, Tavi. Hmm. We are recording. You cannot I'm here be committing crimes. I'm on taking video. notes. <laughs> and I already took inventory, so you can't steal anything. Ooh, this one's nice. You can have that one if you want it. Can I? Mm-hmm. So, so yes, comedy. And unpacking comedy. We're gonna unpack. We're unpack it. comedy. We done talked about how you guys got into it. Now, okay, mm-hmm. I'm really curious because I feel like comedy for so long has been like this very white male, do- as with anything, has been a very mm-hmm. white do- dominated like space. And I'm really curious about how you guys navigate that because, in my personal opinion. 
Black folks have always been just funnier. Yeah. Just my imagination. I'll agree with that. Yeah, we're funnier. But I think that because comedy comes from tragedy, right? Comes from Mm. struggle, comes from adversity. Finding something to laugh about. Like the real good, gritty comedy comes from the bad stuff that's happened and like finding the light in those moments. And when you face as much of adversity as like minorities have, then like, yeah, we're funnier. There's nothing funny about like punching down and like talking about how great your life is. Nobody cares. Right. It's not relatable. No. Which I think is why, like, even now, the most successful, I mean, not the most successful, but to me, like, the funniest of white male comedians are the ones that kind of just talk about absurd shit. They don't try to, like, um, do anything that's, like, shock value or Mm -hmm. anything that's super thoughtful because they know that there's not a space for their voice there. Mm. Um, So, like, a lot of, yeah, white male comedians that I have, like, laughed at consistently just talk about silly shit or being dumb which they are but (laughs) it's like enjoyable to like hear their commentary on it (laughs) let me tell you about how stupid i am (laughs) yeah that's why i like nate bargassi I like well, it. and I also think that like for comedy too, it a lot of this stuff, a lot of this entertainment originated in the black community to begin with. That's the whole point of like we're funnier because we started it. Mm-hmm. Everything else was just stolen from us. I mean, we had to perform. I mean, you think about being placed in like positions where we're asked to entertain white folk. We had to be funny. We were the gestures of all of it the whole time. So it was like. What are you gonna do? And then they took it and made their own little sideshows of it. But we've been doing this, and I'm like, yeah, that's so true. Because like, even looking at like the concept of like minstrel shows and like other super Mm -hmm. offensive shit was just very much um, a terrible impersonation. Or yeah, I guess like they've been ripping us off for centuries. (laughs) (laughs) Wondering why they're not as funny because they can't do it. Yeah. Dealing spices and can't use them. (laughs) But I'm thinking about that because like just comedy coming from tragedy, because I feel Mm -hmm. like all this stuff surrounding like the January 6th hearings and people were like, stop making memes about them. Don't laugh. But I'm like, all I'm seeing is just like funny craziness all over like black Twitter. But people's like, we need to like, remember how serious this is. But I'm like, this is how we process, right? This is how we work through stuff, yeah. So I'm, like, curious how how you guys feel about people being like, no, don't make fun of the January 6th, don't create memes, don't do different things about that because we have to be serious about this. It feels uh, weird to collectively observe something as a society and then deem it, like, something like that that is so, it was so silly as it was happening. Like, also horrifying and, like, you know, it was terrible. Yeah. But it was... to try to pretend like there wasn't some level of, we were all fixated on it. We wouldn't have been fixated on it if it was boring. So I think like to not acknowledge how entertaining it was, it's kind of ridiculous. It's ignoring like a huge, a huge Yeah, but humor is also how we move through these things. I mean, it's not to trivialize it, it's to process it. Right. And I think there's a difference. I also will say, I do agree with like not making people famous. Like, I wouldn't necessarily, like, highlight individuals and start sharing their pictures 
and give them because people will use that to create their own platforms, which they'll build right, off, especially right. all those kinds of people build platforms of hate and things like that. Yeah. But if I just want to talk about January 6th and I want to make a joke and I want to talk about the hearings, then that's fine. But I mean, they were like circulating pictures of like some of the protesters and stuff like that. And it's like, don't make oh. that man a meme. You know what I mean? Don't make that woman a meme. Don't give them the opportunity to capitalize off yeah. of their contributing to their right. infamy is like not ideal. Right. For like yeah. individuals. But like sense. making making jokes, having conversation about it, getting on stage and talking about what's going on, I think is what we do as comedians all the time. If it's current event, if it's news, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna help people process it. That's the job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, random question. I feel like I'm just in like the middle of an episode of um, It's Crazy You're in My Business. So I'm just going <laughs> to ask y'all some random questions. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm like, okay. That. What comedy show or movie would you guys want to be in? Oh, like that's mm-hmm. current? It could be current. It could be or just anything. Anything. Like what, what, what do you comedy you show or movie? Or I guess it doesn't have to be comedy because you can I... get there and just. Honestly, oh, I would have loved to be a part of Shit's Creek. I would have I love loved to be, I would have loved to be a part of Shit's Creek. Give me the I cuz here's the thing, I'll say this. I am not an actress. I have no dreams of being an actress. I am a writer to my core. If you see me in something, it would be a small minor part. If I ever wrote anything that got picked up, I would be like a really tiny bit character. I see, don't I have the dream. I don't on stage. Yes. I do not have the dreams of being in front of the camera. That's never been my thing. Um, but I would have done like a small part in Shit's Creek. Like I would have loved that. And I would have loved to have been in the writer's room. I love Catherine O'Hara. So when you ask the question, the first things that popped in my mind were best in show in Shit's Creek, both of which have Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, because I think she is phenomenal. I like just everything about her, her comedic timing. I think she is probably one of the greatest. like currently living comedic actresses that we have, if not the best right now, because we have to think about this. Betty White, may she rest in peace, has passed away. I don't have none of my golden girls left. You know what I mean? And so I think- Is Carol Burnett still alive? I think so. Okay, keep going. I don't know. I was never a huge Carol Burnett fan, so I will not- I I was, but yeah, okay. Yeah. But for me, <laughs> Catherine, so for me, for me, Catherine O'Hara is like the is top tier. Like just the timing, the cadence, everything about her delivery, her improv skills, just she has the ability to straight man it or go completely absurd and ridiculous. And she has an accent for everything. She's got an impression. Like she's just so masterful. Um, she studies people in a way that's like insane. Because she can just mimic and my, I, like everything's fantastic about her. So for me, Shit's Creek, hands down. Um, okay, for me, I really think I feel like my answer is not going to be as deep as that. Uh, I would want to be in an episode <laughs> of the other two. Ooh, Love that show. Good Molly Shannon's also up there this? for me. Is it Molly Shannon? No, not Molly Shannon. Molly, Molly Shannon. Yeah, it is Molly, Molly Shannon. Shannon. Yes, mm-hmm. Molly Shannon is also up there for me with so comedic actresses. <laughs> So funny. Yes. Oh my God. So I think the other two, either the other two are White Lotus. Um, mm-hmm. But I really think I would have a lot of fun on the set of the other two. 
Mm-hmm. Just like a super small role, like a server in a restaurant. I don't know why y'all want to be super small because you both have like main character energy. I just need y'all <laughs> to accept that. But you know what I is so funny is that so. like I think some of the greatest roles are small roles. Like some people that just is, like pop in for their like. First little of all, there are no small roles. Only, <laughs> we have to remember that only small actors. Okay, yes. <laughs> But like, you know, people who pop in for like their quick one or two lines and they like steal the show. That's what I want to be. Leave them wanting more. Give them a yeah. good and then get out because I don't. Yes. I'm going to give you that because I think every favorite character I've always had has always been one of like the side characters. Yes. They're always the best. They're always they like really the are. comedic relief or just because why are the main characters never funny? What there is that? Can we unpack show. that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have a lot of pressure. I think, yeah, the pressure that. to build story. Yeah. Um, background, when you think about the writers and, like, their main character, they have to spend a large time giving you background before they can make them funny. And side characters usually come in as after the story's been built, right? After you've, got, you've established the universe that you're in. And so side characters kind of get it easy. Yeah they don't have to move the story forward. So they don't have to use their dialogue or their time to push it forward. They can just use it to be that little quick thing. That's true. That's true. Hmm. Also, have you watched the other two? I have not. You should watch, if you like comedy, that one's really good. The other two is really good. I vouch for that as well. Okay, I gotta, I feel like I gotta take notes. Javi's over there taking notes. Now I got to start taking some notes. Javi is doing her With my new pin. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking about Psych. Okay. No, this is another corny show. Charmaan. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My mother watched Psych on TBS. (laughs) It was so ridiculous. Okay, I, but I watch a corny I show. I love the I absurd. Watch the rookie. Oh, the rookie. Not the rookie. I love the rookie. <laughs> All those and shows. I, watch, I also watch 911. Mm-hmm. And I watch uh, Austin 911. <laughs> you watch The Good Doctor too? I did on Hulu for no. like three seasons. Like, you know what? Let me tell y'all. My favorite thing in the world is to, like, get a bad movie that I know is going to be bad and have mm-hmm. a movie night where you just watch a really bad movie and make fun of it the whole time. Like, that's my okay, favorite yes. thing in the world. But let me tell you, my friends and I, we got, like, a few movies, and one of them was Crossroads. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was, Written by Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, and I was, like, I was so mad at how, like, not bad it was. Like, I mean, it's it wasn't good. like, a, it wasn't the greatest movie in the world, but it wasn't bad. I was like, y'all had me thinking this is going to be bad and this ruined my bad movie night. Mm-mm, Crossroads is a great movie. <laughs> a great <laughs> film. A film. <laughs> I love a good bad movie. We, I do love a good bad movie. Julie, Julie it's a season of Julie. <laughs> oh no, I will not be watching that movie. I need a movie that's like bad, bad though. It can't just be kind of bad. It's got to be like the like uh, the room. Room. Have you seen that one <laughs> with uh, Tommy oh, Wiseau. The I room own is that so movie. Bad. 
It's so, but it's so good. It's so good. There's pictures of spoons everywhere. <laughs> it's like it's always the sex scene with the all the falling scene. water. Mm-hmm. The dialogue the, is absolutely atrocious. The audio skips. Yeah, when she's like, so I have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the Lifetime movies from like, I want to say like the, just the early 2000s. I'm trying to remember any of the names of them. There was the one where the girls had the pregnancy pack. I think it was they called Pregnancy get- Pack. Was it? <laughs> you know yes, what? That makes a lot of one. sense. They had the one where that guy, Jeremy Sumter, who was in Peter Pan, had a porn addiction. Yes! Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> then they had the one where Alexa Vega from Spy Kids was getting bullied at school. Yes! Oh, uh-huh. Lifetime original movies were for all the kids that missed Disney original movies, but also couldn't mm-hmm. go back to them. For me, yeah. I transitioned to life. I transitioned to Lifetime original movies right around like uh, oh, High School Musical and like Camp Rock era on Nickelodeon. I was like, I think it's Lifetime. It's Lifetime for me now, and mm-hmm. it was really great. Those I know she transitioned bad. because Camp Rock was never on Nickelodeon. It was Disney. It was it on Disney? I have yeah. no idea. I don't <laughs> exactly. That's how I know she transitioned. As soon as like yeah, I stopped like right as it was like. That's so Raven and Sweet Life is mm-hmm. back in Cody. Yeah. That was my line right in between. Yeah. I didn't watch Hannah Montana. And I stayed through like halfway through Hannah Montana. See, that's how you can tell our age difference. She's like two years older than me. So <laughs> and that that was way after me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. I'm in a whole nother generation. So like... <laughs> like, you guys remember the color of friendship? Mm-hmm. The color of friendship? That movie was that was wild. Did when you never it, see The Color of Friendship, Charmaine? I did not. I, it was like the right only now. movie about racism they had. <laughs> it was that's probably why I movie. that's probably why I did not watch it because I had I told y'all I get very emotionally involved. Oh, that's involved right. in you my did stuff, tell us that. and I come out of stuff hating white people, and I'm like, I oh, grew up surrounded the by them. I work yeah. surrounded by them. I'm like, I can't. Mm. I'm gonna be hating y'all. I can't be watching these movies. It took me a long time to watch. Um, oh God, what was the Viola Davis one with the pie? The help. Oh, the help. The help. It took me a long time to watch mm-hmm. the help. I watched it like you know, the I first read time the two book years ago. Before I watched it, and I and I grew up in a white family, and um, I remember reading the book and being like, "Wow, <laughs> y'all are shady. <laughs> very, very shady." <laughs> You know what, though? After me and Becky watched 12 Years a Slave, I didn't want to watch, I didn't want to talk to any uh, white people. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a rough, I was like, was a rough mm, week or so. <laughs> I'm not interested. Yeah. I think we might have kicked Benjamin out, too, when we yeah. watched that movie. I'm pretty sure like, I was You don't like, need to be here. <laughs> you gotta, we're not watching this with you. <laughs> it's, it's good, because I think he would have received a lot of a lot of very negative energy. Yeah. <laughs> that that technically movie. he didn't deserve because that movie, yeah. That one still does a number on me. The fact that yeah. it's a true yeah. story, I think, is what get, gets me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was so, there was yeah, another one. Uh, did you guys ever watch... Uh, I watched Amistad in high school in my U.S. Oh, history no. class. 
They made you watch it in history class? In high school. In my high school, uh-uh. U.S. history class, sophomore year. But were you, no, like, it was, the only one? I was one of few. Because mm. I was, like, I was, like, I the, only was the only one. one. But very weird to, experiences. Yeah, I used to, like, dread that one paragraph in history you. class. Because everybody looking mm-hmm. at you. Everybody. And, they, they, and some of them would try, like, they would try, they tried not to be so obvious. And then that was almost insulting because it was implying like you didn't know that everybody there knew that you were the only black student in the classroom. It was ugh, ridiculous. Yeah. See, this is a big part that. of my, um, my healing that I'm trying to do. Cause mm-hmm. I, so <laughs> like I had gotten to a point where I'm like, I, all I wanted to do, I was like, I'm a pip y'all. I'm in the background. I don't want to be in the forefront because I've had like a lifetime of people like being the one that stood out like all the time. And so I was always trying to be in the background, not be seen. I, I don't want to shine. I don't want the spotlight on me. Like nobody look at me. And so we trying to unpack that now. Good. <laughs> it's never too late, you know? No. Yeah. Step to the front. And I feel like we probably all have that shared experience of like being one of very few black people in like oh absolutely you know like school environment and probably in work environments I was the only black person in a lot of places that I worked you know what is that I realized that I had not been around a lot of black people in my life when I went to like an orientation and everybody it was like a really large orientation for this company and I don't even know maybe it wasn't even a company maybe it was when I was like doing a numerator for the government but anyways um I walked into this room and everybody had like already taken their seats and people were sitting like in different groups like there were a bunch of men sitting together women sitting together and I was just like there's no black people here mm-hmm. like, like where do I feel most comfortable <laughs> and like I sat down with a group of middle-aged white women because I was like this <laughs> no <laughs> this feels right <laughs> This feels like the <laughs> safest place to be right now. But I couldn't find anything. And I just ended up sitting with the white women. And I was like, hi, hello, fellow women. <laughs> oh, no. Like, these are my people. Yeah, because there were no black people to sit with. So we're going to jump ahead because we, okay, we know, yes, we know, yes, we know, jump ahead. Mm-hmm. We know that comedy just got stolen from black folks. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That is where we left off. <laughs> and, the, and, and then black folks are just like super good at it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there is this, like, I don't know what, how to, what to, to think of it as this revolution maybe of, inclusivity in a sense and I feel like I was talking to my dad about this because we we were talking about some actress and how she wasn't any good and he was like well she's she's pretty right and he's like and that's she's young and pretty is that we said I was like well they gonna have to come up with something better than that right because mm-hmm. they're we're being more inclusive and I'm like and black people are better because they've had to be better to get into anything so I'm like so we're gonna need some better actresses now do you guys feel the same way about comedy that's hard because I feel like the comedy is subjective. Mm. So are there a lot of comics out right now that personally make me laugh? Like 
I guess I would say like fresher faces that make me laugh. Not necessarily, but you spend so many thousands of hours watching such a variety of comedy in your local scene or like just outside of your local scene. And it kind of all blurs together. And I don't know, Tavi might agree with me on this in that like, you'll think of um, a funny bit you know, a funny joke you heard or like whatever and not necessarily know whether it was like on a comedy special or like at a comedy show. Does that happen to you ever? This could just be me. Yeah. Like, I'll think of a joke that I like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You start to figure, like, wonder if it's like, is this just like common thought? Like anytime I hear a joke like about the DMV or something, it's like, well, we all go to the DMV. So has the joke been done before because we're all living on the same earth together? Have I heard it? Also, similar joke structures. I mean, people use a lot of the same joke structure over and over again. I mean, Mm -hmm. even between like misdirect or just straight up set up punchline. And then you start hearing the same topic. So it's like, yeah, everything starts to kind of blur together, which makes it hard to laugh at stuff because unless it's so very obviously innovative, you just kind of like, eh, it's all right. That's a good joke. I feel like yeah, I'm a simple I, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I relate and then I laugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think the original comment was like about whether or not we feel like there are white people who don't have to try as hard, right? Like oh, in, yeah. yeah. If that's in the, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think that is very true of comedy as well. I mean, like, yes, there are, there are just like blonde white women I've seen get on stage and get laughed. And these guys, other comedians, will book them, laugh for them, clap for them, cheer for them just because they think that they're hot. Mm-hmm. And they get all of the things immediately. And it is, it's kind of disheartening, especially being like a dark skin, fat black woman. I'm out here trying to have to do it on my own. And everybody thinks that I've got like the upper hand, like, well, they're looking for people like you, like token. That's all they want is like, diversity. No. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and then even I- the industry only wants a very specific type of diversity. Yeah. And if I don't know that one of us check those boxes. I would say if it weren't for me and Becky actively choosing to do shows together, we would be the only black people on shows. Consistently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll take bookings together. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, can Becky come? Can Becky do this thing with me? I want to do like I want more women of color in the same lineup. But before that, I was just doing shows and I'd be the only black person there. Yeah. So, and it was, yeah, same for me. Like, there would be times where I would go out into the middle of fucking nowhere, I would do these shows and be like, Hi, I'm a comedian. In case you were like wondering what the fuck I was doing here for an hour before yeah. the show started, because like it is weird and uncomfortable, and it's hard the longer you do it, just the more you end up in these spaces. And then you kind of, it can feel like really defeating when you see people that are successful just because they're conventionally attractive or because, you know, they're marketable. Mm -hmm. But that's how it goes. That's also, I mean, we've known that and still continue to do this. So. But you guys are good at it. It's true. I like it. And we'll be fine. You know, (laughs) we're going to keep going. We'll be, we'll get there. It just takes, you know, twice as long. Yeah. Or maybe it won't. Who knows how long it's going to take us. We just going to put it out there in the universe right now that it's just, this is y'all's time. Right? This is your time. We claiming that for you. 
I I hope so. Thank you. Yeah. I'm trying to ride Becky's coattails to the top. She always says that, <laughs> which is so wild because like, I don't know what she thinks I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's tra- blazing a trail for us. That's what she's doing. <laughs> is, that, is that what I'm doing? <laughs> Yeah. But I'm like in the in the meantime, Becky, I'm I'm gonna need some some more videos. Okay. Yeah. She can post more of her stand-up. She can post funny things. We're supposed to be filming a TikTok after this. Oh yeah. Woo-hoo. I'm like, I might have to just end up moving to California so that yeah. I can <laughs> we're trying to get everybody so out I, here. So I can see a yeah. show. I feel like it, I'm doing the opposite thing. Everybody from California is moving to San Antonio and Austin right now. And so I'm going to have to make the opposite trip. I will be in Austin next fall. Oh. So it's like, I know it's like a ways out. But like next. What are you going to Austin for? Comedy? Um, Yeah, I'll go for Altercation Comedy Festival. The producer hit me up to do it this year, but I couldn't make it work. But he said I could come next year. Ooh. So you're talking like 2023? 2023. Yeah, it'll be, I think, like the first week of October. And it'll be a kick butt coffee in Austin. She's just gonna buy and go to cool. Austin. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm yeah, that's also where Shaylin lives. So your own oh. people. <laughs> what, do you mean? what are you talking about? Put down the origami. You know what? Thank I you feel stupid for, for acknowledging that it's that. origami. I'm, mad. I'm hella mad that I said that. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That's how he played with the desk. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it! it. (sighs) Okay, I'm coming back. Oh my god! So I don't know if we were productive or not, but um, but we, you know, we were. I think we we recorded a podcast. I gave a lot of insight (laughs) and thoughtful conversation, and Tommy absolutely loved to make a mockery of me. And the things that I do and say. I'm me all the time, 24-7. Don't book me if you don't want the real shit. What was the real shit? Me. Oh, okay. Playing with the desk. Just being myself. <laughs> being myself. Sorry. Some of us are neurodivergent and have mental illness. Yeah, both of us. Okay, well. All three. Some of us, <laughs> all three of us. Matter oh. better than others, okay? Uh-oh. But this was fun. It was okay. fun. We had a good conversation. Do you have any other, do you have any, any other questions for us before we wrap this up? I feel I like I can't even like think anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah, like I can't even think anymore. My bad. But that's, but that's okay. But we do need to know where we can find you. Oh, I'll start. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, that's Becky. Uh, you can check out an extended leak of my link of my standup at ohthatsbecky.com or in the link tree on my Instagram. Um, and you can check out any upcoming shows I have in California. Uh, that's also in my link tree. I'm trying to think. You hit me up on Venmo so I can pay for my daughter to go to private school. That's oh, that's Becky on Venmo. Um, my cash app is oh, that's Becky Lynn on cash app. And uh, yeah, I think that's all for me. Oh, okay. Well, you can find me ten toes on the pavement, hanging, banging, (laughs) slinging that eggy, slinging. Also, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at Tavi Talks Trash. Yeah, and if you want to cash at me or Venmo me, that's in the link trees and all of my bio. Oh, that's where I should put it. Yeah, 
You I'm should. For that. I'll mm. do that right now. I mean, not like right this second, but like in a minute. Well, because I my Venmo, I do that because my Venmo is like Tava Latte. It's not Tavi Talks Trash. So I just Why put it, it in my thing because I like Tava Latte. That was my original handle for everything. So, and I refuse to let go of it. But I mean, it's also, be- but my cash app is Tavi Talks Trash. So if you want to cash at me. Did we cover it up on this? Did we do what we were supposed to do? I feel like this was a lot of not talking. A about lot of other stuff. But that's we, we did fine. We did Y'all fine. Y'all are going to be though. amazed at my editing skills. <laughs> Thank <right>. you. <laughs> hey, y'all. Thanks for listening and or watching. Unpacking Ethical is an independent video podcast hosted by the Ethical Network of San Antonio. Your co-hosts are Sharmon Webby and Katie, and we thank you for tuning in. Please follow us on Instagram and our YouTube channel, and hey, leave a review wherever you're listening.